Listen, I'm here though. I'm here. I'm, 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 I think I'm all here. I hope so. But yes, going to the park, spending an entire day at the park with uh, your kids and your infant and coming home. And I mean, you know, it's, it's just, I'm so, oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm not here to rant about my, uh, my my uh my exploits yesterday i'm not here to rant about that i'm here to rant about the word today's the read and rant y'all um and so hopefully i got enough energy to really get through it but i believe i, I will uh but today as you guys know we spent what did you say once blind eight kids did you just say eight kids Lord Jesus, it's Lord Jesus. Eight kids. I got three, and I'm just trying to keep my life together with three. So that is, listen, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. Listen, you got an anointing um, for generations, literally, an anointing for generations. Uh, but but that's all to say. That's right, Sergo. Exactly, bro. C'est la vie. I'm, I'm not even, man, listen, ugh, it's tough. But here we are. We are here. Read and rant. We're going to be in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 4. So go ahead and turn your Bible there. For those of you who are here for the first time, if you're wondering what we do here, um, our primary initiative uh, today is to engage in the word. That's our primary goal. Our primary goal is to engage in the word to read the word and then we'll spend some time ranting. I call this the read and rant because we're, we're going to spend about 20 minutes reading the word I'm about to jump in right now into Deuteronomy chapter four. And then I'm going to spend another 20 uh, to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture. So this is what we're here to do. This is uh, our commitment um, um, in our time here today. My goal is to see every believer read through the entire Bible on their own. So I'm going to do it with you. I try to do this at least once or twice every year, uh, but I'm journeying with you in this because I want to see you guys accomplish it as well. It is a an, an incredibly fruitful endeavor for you. Uh, it is a blessed endeavor. And so uh, you'll find that when you actually engage in that, that it'll transform you. And so that's why we're here. We're here to, to engage in the word. Um, I say that because often people have a perspective of the Bible and hopefully in our time and in my reflections with you, I may change how you perceive the Bible. I may change how you actually read it. But what's most important is, is that you read it. And what I want you to do today, as I've asked you to do throughout the, the past few um, the past few months is I'm asking you to back away from the scripture as you read it. And what I mean by that is, is create a degree of separation between you and the scripture and read it for what the scripture is actually saying. Don't insert anything into it. Don't insert yourself into it. Good morning, Izzy. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, my little man, Izzy. Um, but, 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 it, but it is critical, guys. It's critical that you back away and you read the scripture for what it is saying rather than inserting yourself in it. Right now, we are reading a scripture. We're reading a verse. We're, sorry, not a verse, but we're reading a portion of the Bible that's chronicling the life of God's chosen people, the ancient Israelites. Okay? Chronicling the life of the ancient Israelites. Notice it's not about you. It's about what you're reading. I want to say this as I preface, okay, as I preface this reading time that we spend together. Remember that as you read this, do not read this as if it's something that's written to you. This is important. You do not read it as if it is written to you. It is written for you. 
but it's not written to you. So don't start reading the text and then start inserting yourself in it as if these are things that you ought to follow or rules that you ought to follow. These aren't rules for you to follow. These were rules that God gave to the children of Israel. To, and, and so this is going to inform us as to how we now live our lives as God's children. But um, it's important, guys, that you guys read it with the proper perspective. And that's what we're here to do. I want you to back away from the scripture. I want you to back away. Stop. Don't insert yourself into it. Just read it. Read it as a story that's written to the ancient Israelites. That's it. We're reading a narrative. And so up to this point, what we talked about yesterday is Moses prefaced um, chapter one through three. Moses was talking about um, was really recapping what we've been reading through um, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers. So Deuteronomy one through three is really just a brief recap of those three books. Okay, it was just a brief recap of those three books. And now. And as we closed our reading yesterday, what, 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 what were we convicted of and convinced of? Uh, Pastor Isaac, the Ten Commandments shows us how we should live as Christians. We're going to get there in a minute. We're going to get there, Jason. Um, um, it, it shows us the morality of God and how we ought to embody that morality. And so that's a whole different thing other than showing us how to go to heaven or to be good Christians. Because the Ten Commandments um, don't embody what it means to be a good Christian um, or to be a Christian or to go to heaven. Right? Following the Ten Commandments doesn't get you into heaven. But um, good morning, Ellison. Good to see you. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter four and Deuteronomy one through three. I just want to preface so that way we're in the right posture when you're reading this. OK, Deuteronomy one through three. What we're going to read is is we're going to sorry in Deuteronomy chapter four. What we're going to read is a continuation of what we read through Deuteronomy 1 through 3. In Deuteronomy 1 through 3, Moses was giving them the whole story of the generation that came before them that were confined to staying in the wilderness because of their lack of faith and their persistence disobedient to God. Deuteronomy is exactly, it's the law again. It's the second law. And the second law now is being passed down to the uh, to the next generation. They spent 40 years in the wilderness and now they're about to enter into the land that was promised to them. But Moses is reminding them of the story of how they got to where they are. And now that they've gotten to where they are and what we told yesterday is you should never hide your story from your children. You should never hide your story from your kids. You should never hide your testimony. Why? Because when you hide your testimony, you perpetuate the generational curse in your family. Generational curses are often birthed out of misinformation and lack of lack of information. We over spiritualize generational curses. Let me say that one more time. We over spiritualize generational curses. Because we say, oh, well, we're repeating these patterns, these patterns. The reason why these patterns are being repeated is because we're not actually informing the generation after us and not getting information from the generation before us about the traumas, the mistakes and the errors of the generation before. And so we end up repeating them again. I have to make sure I emphasize that. But what Moses does is Moses informs them in Deuteronomy 1 through 3, lets them know this is what we've done. This is how we got to where we are. We've gotten this far, but we can't get any further. And the reason why we can't get any further is because of our disobedience and our persistent lack of faith um, towards God. 
and his promises. And so we don't get to enjoy the promises of God because of our lack of faith. But now these promises are being handed off to you. Do not repeat those same mistakes. That's what he's telling the children of Israel. He says, do not repeat those same mistakes. And now that he's already gone to this point, now we're in Deuteronomy 4. And Deuteronomy 4, now Moses says, these are the things that you ought to do. And so remember, this is not a story about you. So don't put yourself in it. This is a story about the children of Israel, ancient Israel. Okay, so let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter four. Hopefully that was a good preface, but let's get right into it. We'll spend a few minutes just spending time in reading the word. Um, And this is what it says. Um, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments, which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which God, uh, which the God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command to you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal Peor. But you also held fast to the Lord your God and are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commands me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. Mm. I'm going to come back to that. For what great nation is there that God has so near to it? As the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in the law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire into the midst of heaven, with darkness cloud and thick darkness and the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire you heard the sound of the words but saw no form you only heard a voice so he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform the ten commandments and he wrote them on two tablets of stone and the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess Take careful heed for yourselves, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air. 
the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth and take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the whole heaven as heritage. Uh Oh, sorry about that. There we go. I lost track there. Sorry about that. Um, didn't want to lose my IG fam. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land, which the Lord, your God is giving you as an inheritance, but I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed for yourselves. Lest you forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he made with you and made for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord, your God has forbidden you for the Lord, your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make carved image of in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord, your God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land, which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will utterly be destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the people and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve God's, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, and neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on earth and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God? speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation in the midst of another nation by trials by signs by wonders by war by the mighty hand of an outstretched arm (laughs) and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes to you it was shown that you might know the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. Out of heaven, he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you. On earth, he showed his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance, as it is this day. So much here. Therefore, know this day 
and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself, <laughs> that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you all for all time. Verse 41, then Moses set apart three cities on the side of the Jordan toward the rising sun that the manslayer might flee there who kills his neighbor unintentionally, having hated him in times past and that by fleeing to one of these cities, he might live. Bezer in the wilderness on the plateau for the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites, Golan and Bashan for the Manassites. Now, this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies and the statutes and judgments which Moses spoke to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt on this side of the Jordan in the valley opposite Beth Peor. In the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon, whom Moses and the children of Israel defeated after they came out of Egypt. And they took possession out of his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites, who were on this side of the Jordan toward the rising sun from Aor, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, even in Mount Sion. This is Hermon. And all in and, and all the plain on the east side of the Jordan, as far as the Sea of Araba, below the slopes of Pisgah. Deuteronomy chapter five. And Moses called all the children of Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make a covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain in the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at the time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up to the mountain. <laughs> And he said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in the earth uh, or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord, your God. I don't know why uh, IG keeps pausing, but I'm going to keep unpausing it if it keeps pausing. Okay. Hopefully you guys are still with me. Uh, verse eight, Deuteronomy five, verse eight. You shall not make for yourself any carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall take the name of you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name 
in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by the mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. These words the Lord spoke to all the assembly in the mountain, from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness, with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. So it was, when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that the Lord speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire and has have lived, has have, and as, as we have and lived? <laughs> Sorry. You go near and hear that the Lord our God may say. Sorry. Verse 27. You go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us that the Lord our God says to you, and we will hear it and do it. Hmm. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my, all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me and I will speak to all the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which you shall teach them that they may possess that sorry, that they may observe them in the land, which I am giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not take a side to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you and, and that you may live and that it may dwell, sorry, and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall 
possess. I want to stop here. Um, I, I'm, I, I wanted to read the next chapter. You know what? Let me read it. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 6. And then I, there's so much here that I, that I have to. Let's see if I can get my thoughts together on this. Because there's so much here that's incredibly powerful and incredibly fruitful for you um, as I'm in reflection. So let's go ahead. Let's, let's, let's read the last chapter for today and then I'll share my thoughts. Um, Deuteronomy 6. Now this is the covenant. And these are the statutes and commandments which the Lord God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land that you are crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments which I have commanded you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, O Israel, be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, so it shall be when the Lord, your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac. Hold on. Let me get, it keeps pausing guys. So I'm sorry. Um, verse 13, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of people, peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is jealous among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be roused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. You shall do what is right and what is good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, that you may go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies before you as the Lord has spoken. When your son asks you in a time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed us signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, 
that he might preserve us alive as it is this day, that it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before our God as he has commanded us. Deuteronomy chapter six. Um, I'm looking forward. I want to preface to say, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's reading rant. Um, I know we're, we're here in this moment and I'm enjoying this moment um, in the word, but I'm really looking forward to tomorrow's reading rant because we're going to begin to see a shift in the story. We're going to begin to see a, a shift um, um, in the in the narrative um, and we're going to begin to see what I would call clarity. There's more clarity that's going to be provided to us as we read through. Um, for those of you who have been journeying with us in this reading rant, you know that we have been journeying f- from the beginning, reading the entire Old Testament. We're re- reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and now we're reading through Deuteronomy. And what I pray that this is doing is, is I'm hoping that you guys see And I want you guys to see this, that this is a story about a people. It's about God's plan to restore all of humanity through a people. You understand? Um, it's, It's a story about how God is restoring humanity through a people, ancient Israel, and how perpetually through their generations and through their bloodline, the restoration of all mankind would come into fruition come into existence and we await when all this is finalized that there's a day to come when all this would be finalized however when we read this notice that we're reading about a people this is very important because we're not we're not inserting ourselves in this story we're 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 reading about a people and learning about the character of God through these people We're learning about the heart of God through these people. Notice what what Moses is doing here as we've been reading. What what Moses is doing here is, is that Moses is reiterating the promise, the covenant that was made to the generation before that has passed away. This new generation now, they're about to enter into this land that is promised to them. This land that has been that they've been blessed with, this land that has been given to them. And in entering that land, Moses finds it critically important to make sure that he imparts on them the law that was given to him. As we said before, that the purpose of the law was not for their access into heaven. The purpose of the law was not to give them um, um, the, the, the purpose of the law was not for righteousness or unto righteousness as we understand it. Because when people talk, talk about righteousness, what they're talking about is purity or holiness, or they look at it in a legal sense. But when we talk about righteousness, we're talking about the justice of God. And so if we're going to talk about righteousness, we're talking about the justice of God, Right. Like God being a judge. And if we're talking about the justice of God, then what we're talking about is we're talking about the rule of God. We're talking specifically about how God 
rules, how God reigns. I find it odd that when people think of God's reign and God's rule, they think of it in very, very humanistic terms, from a very humanistic perspective. Like when they think of God's rule, they think of this powerful king that is imposing his power on everyone else. But the more you read through this, you begin to see that God's rule doesn't look like that. Okay? And I hope you're beginning to see that. That God's rule is embodied actually not over his people, but through his people. Say that one more time. God's rule is not reflected over people. It's actually reflected through people. God rules through people. Are you understanding? When when um when we read in in um in Genesis chapter one, um going back to Genesis chapter one, and I I know I just have to make sure I iterate that to make sure you understand what I mean by that, is God rules the earth, but He exercises His rule of the earth through people. He t- He tells mankind to subdue the earth. He gives mankind dominion. Do you know what that means to have dominion? It means to have a rule over the earth. Human beings have been given, have, have God, sorry, God has delegated his rule over the earth to human beings. That is literally what it means to be made in the image of God. To be made in the image of God is not because people have this this really backwards way of thinking of what it means to be made in the image of God. Like I have God, I'm a, I'm a God myself. No, you're not a God, but God rules through you. God sends human beings on earth to be His representatives on earth. We are the ambassadors of God who rule the earth, and so God who rules rules through human beings. God does not do anything on earth without human participation. Not because he can't, but because he won't. Because he made us imagers. He made us imagers of God. He made us the rulers who rule over. We're the viceroys. We're the governors. We govern the earth. So when God rules, God rules through us. Now, God still has authority over us, but he rules through us. And so when God rules through us, if we decide to go off of our own agenda, then God has to address it because now the earth is not being administered and administrated the way that God intended it. Now, I'll back that up for a moment. There's a way that things ought to be in the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go easy here. I'm going to go slow because I want to make sure you're with me. Okay, family? So I hope you're patient enough because this is really important and it's going to give light and help you really understand what's happening here. Okay? God is ruling through us on earth. If anything is happening, it's happening through his people. That's, that's how this works. And yet when mankind chooses to do his own thing, 
God doesn't need to punish us because his righteousness is the law. I'm going to help you understand what I mean by that. When we talk about the law, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, and hopefully this gives you reference. When we talk about the law, often people think things that are legally right and legally wrong or things that are spiritually right and spiritually wrong. So when people think about the law, what they're essentially thinking about is what are the things that if I do them, they give me spiritual brownie points and things that if I don't do them, they'll put me in the spiritual doghouse. This kind of thinking is myopic. It's very, very small. You actually won't understand the law if you continue to think of the law that way. If I think of things to do that get me into heaven and things that I ought not to do in order to avoid hell, it's a very, 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 very small perspective of the law. The way you ought to think of the law is the way that the Israelites thought of law. It's the way that the ancients thought of law, because remember, this is written by ancients to ancients, revealing a truth that is true for all time and in all circumstances and in all instances. But to understand it, we cannot see it from our lens. And yet we have a very legalistic perspective of the world. You know, people talk about legalism. Uh, when people talk about legalism in the church, the church is so legalistic. Guess what? Even people who are unchurched are legalistic. Let me say that real quick. Did you know that even if you don't go to church, you're still more often than not religious? I'm going to prove to you how I know that. I know that because there are people who say, I'm leaving the church because the church is full of fake people. The church is this, the church is that. Or they'll say, you know what? I don't believe and I'm not, I'm not all about religion. I'm not all about religion. I'm not about, you know, gods and doing things up. And then, you know what people say? So then I usually when I have the conversations, people will say, so I say, so what do you do? Like, what's your framework for living? How do you live? And you know what they say to me? They say, be the best person you can be. Do good, do good, do more good and do less bad. Do more good and do less bad. Be a really good person. Do positive things. Focus on positive things. Have a positive perspective. See, and then when they tell me that, I say to them, that sounds like religion. Like, no, it's not religion because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to hell if I do those things. And I'm not going to heaven. Like, we, I don't believe in heaven or hell. I'm, I'm an atheist, but I just believe in being a good person and doing good things and being the best person you can be and, and all this. And my question to them is, well, since you've been living to be the best person you can be, how's that going? And most of them say, well, um, I'm just doing my best. Yeah, but like, are you, are, you, are you doing a good job at that? And they'll say, uh, not really. Like, I mean, I could be a lot better. And that's what I'm working towards. And I say to him, that sounds religious. <laughs> and, you know, they'll say, well, no, it's not religious because I don't believe in a God. I said, no, you believe in your God. You, the God is yourself. That's still religion. You're just your own God. I don't know if everybody understands what I'm saying. And that's the issue with the, and the reason why we have these religions Religions are bigger than just, oh, a belief in a higher God. For people who say they don't believe in God, but they still believe in the universe, the universe is speaking back to me. 
You know, I'm going to send this word out into the universe. You believe in a God. You're just choosing what God you want to believe in. You believe in a God. Or you're speaking to the universe, or you're using sage, or you're using this, or you're using whatever it is. You're believing in something and you're creating a set of rules that must follow that thing to obtain some higher order of self or some higher order of existence. We call that religion. Atheism is off is a religion. Atheism is a religion. And yet this is not what we see in the scriptures. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that the universe is their God or the natural elements are notice right there that they're worshiping. A lot of people who say they don't worship God instead of worshiping God, they worship what God has created. And this is what this whole part of this text is all about is God is saying, don't fall into what culture is doing. Because what they're doing is, is they're falling into the worship of the things that God has created and not God himself, the universe, you know, uh, all that other good stuff, right? They worship the things that God has created, but not God himself. I'm going to come back to that. I want to back up for a moment though, because here's the issue for many people. When they think of when, when they think in very legalistic terms, they live their lives in legalistic terms. And because they live their lives in league, because, you know, we all do it because we live our lives in legalistic terms. We're looking for the right religion that helps fit so that we can be the best people that we can be. Do you hear me? So what we do is, is we're looking for thought systems and religious ideas that help us become the better versions of ourselves. So what we do is, is we say, well, mine works for me and yours works for you. Mine works for me and your, so, so mine does what it needs to do for me. At least I feel like it does a really good job in doing what I need it to do for me. I'm going to let yours do what it does for you. Does anybody hear that? And in the end, we lose it because the world is full of religious people. What the scripture is all about is about the dismantling of all of that, the dismantling of religion, period, because religion, as many of us understand it, leads to a glorification of self, system, or people. Religion leads to a glorification of self, systems, or people. And that's why people get jaded in relationship and that's uh, in religion. And that's why people get, 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 get misled, misguided and misinformed because of religion. Religion gets you to like yourself more and feel better about yourself to impose your own power, to do your own thing and to, to, to feel good about what you can do. And if this religion don't work out, let me do another one. And let me say that everybody else in the other religions are all whack because my religion is better than your religion. 
glorification of self. At the end of the day, we're seeking to discover ourselves and to glorify ourselves. But when you read the scriptures, the way that it ought to be read, I know I'm ranting, guys. I know I'm ranting. So stay with me, okay? This is what I do. I rant. But when we back away and we actually read the scriptures, we back away. I like that term ego. We back away from an egocentric reading to actually a God-centric reading. And what we're going to learn through it is that the law, that these that these ancient Hebrews were following looks nothing like how we see the law today. I'm explaining to you what I mean by that. I use the example that the law as they understood it, and you're going to see it all the way through, was not about being right and wrong. It was about what they had access to and didn't have access to. And it was about a system of being and a system of living. The law, the, the, the whole purpose of the law was about shaping them into becoming the people that God intended them to be in order to institute God's rule on the earth. God's government on the earth, God's government, his, what we call his kingdom, is what God intended from the beginning. Adam and Eve decided to start their own thing. And from there, everybody decided to start their own thing. So what it ended up with, it ended up with strife, disease, war, fighting, battles, and death. All of it came as a result of mankind doing his thing and not doing God's thing. We don't get to put our thing over God's thing. So when we talk about the law, the law is not breaking a rule and going to heaven or sorry breaking a rule and going to heaven or sorry, breaking a rule and going to hell or obeying a rule and going to heaven. That's actually not what the law was about. The law was about a revealing of the system that we are all confined to, whether we believe in God or not. It is the character of God and it's the way that God rules the earth. You can choose to obey or disobey these things. You have the freedom to do it, but they have consequences. Now, the consequences are not heaven versus hell. The consequences are the implications of what happens on earth. God create God's laws. Think about think of it like this, and I'll, I'll use this over and over again. Gravity, the law of gravity. I have not heard anyone complain about how gravity keeps holding them down. Has anyone complained about how, man, why can't I just float up to the top of that 10 story building? You can't because there's a system and natural order of things that keeps you on the ground. So if you're going to get up there, you're going to need to do some things about that. <laughs> you're you're going to have to work your way up there. There are things you're going to have to do. You don't have an option. The law was never about heaven and hell. You don't see that here. The law was about a revealing of how God rules the earth. Kids do complain. You're right. Because, you know, when you run and let's say you slip and you fall, do you get mad at gravity? 
Or do you get mad at the rock that you tripped over that made you slip and fall? No one ever gets mad at gravity because everyone accepts gravity as the law by which our bodies are confined to. Therefore, the law itself is the nature by which we are all confined to. And when we choose not to follow the law, which is what God is revealing here, these are the things that transpire. This is not about heaven and hell. This is about now God revealing his law once again through a people to show people what Eden will look like. To show people what God's rule will look like. To show people how Adam was supposed to live because Adam was God's imager on earth. And we being God's imagers who don't know how to image God well, he calls now a nation of people to image God. So he sets them apart and he gives them a a law. And in that law, he's shaping them out to be the priests that they were called to be. He's giving them a land. And the land that he's giving them is so that when they take that land, they rule and exercise a justice and a righteousness that the world has not seen that would reveal to the world exactly what ruling on earth looked like. I hope I made that plain. God was calling these people to show what ruling on earth looked like. The term we have here, we call it the kingdom. And notice ruling on earth does not look like Republicans and Democrats. It didn't look like, you know, uh, capitalism or Marxism. Ruling on earth didn't look like any of this. Ruling on earth was embodied by the very character of God. And yet no one has yet seen it. And so now he's calling a people to do it. Moses in Deuteronomy. I'm sorry if I bore my little boys here, but I want you to hear this. this is very important. Moses is now reiterating this law to these children, the next generation who now is going into the land and he wants to reveal to them how they're going to rule. So we see here, hold on, in Deuteronomy chapter five, he's reminding them of how they received the law. Watch this now. He says, he says um, in verse seven, if you notice, he's reiterating what we already read in Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a gold, a carbon image. Remember, it's the law again. It's the second law. He's giving it again. He's reminding them of the laws that were given to them. I want you to picture this. Back away for a second. I want to pick. I want you to picture this as you're reading Deuteronomy. I want you to picture Moses talking to a congregation of people about what the last 40 years have been. And Moses is about to send these people into the promised land and stay behind because the land, he couldn't go into the land that was promised him because of his disobedience to God. So he's giving them all the information they need to go into the land. Okay, just think about that. I want you to think about that and picture that. And so when we read... When we're reading Deuteronomy, what we're reading is just Moses talking to the the, the next generation. We're hearing Moses talking to the younger generation. 
and telling them, guys, this is what you ought to do when you go into the promised land. And so he's reminding them of their story and he tells them, you shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make yourself any carven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because if you read, right, if you were reading with me all the way up to this point, right, due to we uh, read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you're going to see all these things were iterated, particularly here, were iterated in, in Exodus. And then he says something which he he's reminding me, I, I didn't get to talk about this in our last um, read and rant. I didn't get to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it here. He reveals and he reminds of one of the saddest things that happen in Scripture. In verse 27, I'll read verse 26 first. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God and speaking from the midst of the fire as we have lived? These people, he's reminding them that the people heard the voice of God and in their fear asked the following. Verse 27, you go near and hear all that the Lord God, Lord our God may say, and tell us that the Lord our God says to you, and we will hear it and do it. It is one of the saddest portions of scripture. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. By the way, this section of the scripture is one of the most profound sections of scripture. But this right here is one of the saddest portions of the Bible. they were given the privilege to actually communicate with God, to hear from God for themselves. And they consciously choose to not listen to it and to not listen to God out of fear of his power and presence. And so they say right here, you Go and hear all that the Lord our God may say. You go and tell us that oh, tell us that the Lord our God says to you, and we will hear it and do it. They consciously chose not to hear from God and ask for someone to go hear from God for them, and they'll listen to what that man says what that person says. They literally told Moses, Moses, you go and hear from God and we're going to receive whatever you say about what God says. And I realized that this is the consequence of humanity. It's the consequence of the church. We consciously choose not to enter into the presence of God. And we consciously choose to not engage with God for many reasons. But we consciously choose not to engage in God and we ask and send others to go and to speak to God for us and to tell us 
what God is saying when God had freely given himself to them. This is speaking to the the condition of man. Understand this. While this text isn't written to us, it's revealing a lot to us about God. And it's revealing a lot to us about people. Remember what we said when we read. I want you guys to understand this. When we're reading, we're prayerfully reading and asking three questions. God, what are you saying concerning yourself? Two, God, what are you saying concerning people? Three, God, what are you saying concerning me? And I read this verse and I'm being reminded of the time when we read this in Exodus. And it it is one of the saddest moments in scripture because it reveals something about God. God always wanted to talk to his people directly. God always wanted to commune with his people directly. We read through the text and we see all the effort that God makes for us to enter into his presence. He gave us a priest so that we can have access to him. He, he wanted to be present in our lives. He wants to be present in all that we do. He wants to be present in every dimension of our lives. And yet we, the, 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 the problem is, is that we willingly choose not to engage with God directly. It speaks to our proclivity to disengage with God because it's a lot easier to have someone else cultivate a relationship with God and to ask that person to tell you what God is saying. It speaks into the proclivity of the church today that a lot of people don't actually want to spend time in their word. A lot of people don't want to read. A lot of people don't want to really engage in prayer. A lot of people, maybe whether it's through guilt or through whatever, it speaks into the natural proclivity that we have as people to not enter into the presence of God ourselves and to look for the experts and the high men and women of God to speak to God on our behalf and that they would speak to us about what God is saying. That was never God's plan. I'm going to say something that's going to sound very provocative and it's going to bother some people, but that's okay. Especially really, really super Christian people. Do I prophesy? Absolutely. I prophesy. I prophesy all the time. Um, I prophesied on our chats. I know you guys have seen it. I find that people are more interested in me prophesying to them than actually going to God for themselves. And I'm beginning to realize something that the office of the prophet was not. Let me say it this way. that The office of the prophet was a contingency plan from God. It's not what God wanted. You see right here, the prophet is not what God wanted. God didn't want there to be prophets. He didn't want prophets. God wanted everyone to hear from him and to hear all that they had to hear from him. For those of you who are prophets, understand you only exist because of the sins of the people. The prophet only exists because people don't want to go to God themselves. Um, The reason why these prophets existed, they existed because they didn't want to hear from God. And yet God has called us all to move prophetically because now we have all been given access to God. And yet even today, there are people who'd rather hear a word from God from a man than to hear a word from God themselves. 
There are people who would rather hear what a pastor has to say about what God is saying than to actually hear from God themselves. There are people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go real, I'm, I'm going to go heavy real quick. It might get a little heavy in here, but I'm going to go real heavy for a second. There are people who would rather hear what a pastor's doctrine is or what a theologian's doctrine is than to actually discover who God is in the word that he's given to all of us. There are those of us who actually worship the thinkers of scripture than actually worshiping God and serving him. I, I find this is true not only in, in charismatic circles, but also true in reform circles. There are those of you here who are profoundly charismatic, um, and that's great. I love it because I operate in that way as well. But there are those of you who are hardcore reformed. I hear people talk about Calvin more than they, they talk about Jesus. I hear people who really espouse to an idea more than they espouse to the person of Christ. They love what Calvin has to say. You know, it's kind of sad that for most sermons now, we spend more time quoting great preachers and great thinkers more than we do quoting Christ himself. Did y'all catch that? That we will, I hear people, they quote Spurgeon all the time. I'm like, man, these people love Spurgeon. I hear Spurgeon more than I hear Jesus. I hear these preachers and these theologians and these thinkers more than I hear Jesus. And I realize that they're falling under the same sin that the Pentecostals fall under, except theirs is intellectual. The other one is more emotional and spiritual. <laughs> oh, we love the thinkers, but we never want to actually speak to Christ. And yet the prophets of our time today, we want to hear what they have to say about what God has to say than to actually hear from God ourselves. John Calvin is a great preacher and a great theologian who um, founded a, a particular doctrinal principle, which you probably heard it, which is Calvinism, where you get Calvinists, and that's where you'll find people who are Calvinists. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I say that to say that we have people who build their entire faith on five points. I have people who the only thing they believe is whatever a prophet or prophetess told them. I say that this is the sad, one of the saddest portions of scripture because I want you to see something here. Hold, let me see if I can find it. First 31 minutes for you. Hold on. It's here somewhere. here somewhere I believe it's in the same chapter I'm going to keep scrolling as I speak but I but I wanted you to see this because notice what it says in verse 28 oh sorry verse 27 um, nope sorry so it was let, let's look at 23 because I'm going to stay here look at verse 23 so it was when you hear the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near me all the heads of the tribes of the elders. And you said, surely the Lord, our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day and God speaks with man. Watch this. It did not say that word man there is mankind. Therefore, God speaks with mankind and he still lives. I want you to understand this. This is, this is profound. God speaks with man. He didn't speak with a man. 
He spoke with mankind. He spoke with men and women. He spoke with them all. He spoke through them all. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. This is them in fear now. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. This is their this is their conviction. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking in the midst of the fire? So now they tell him, you go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and tell us that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear from it. Verse 28, then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go and say to them, return to your tents. Did you hear that? God's contingency was the prophet Moses. Before God wanted to speak to them and they said, nah, God, we're good. And God sent them away. Return to your tents. Let me talk to you, Moses. And you go and tell them what I could have already told them in their heart. But as for you, stand here by me. Verse 31, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which you shall teach them that they may observe them in the land, which I'm giving them to possess. Did you catch it? There was no, the law was done at the voice of God. The moment they had God's voice, they had the law. Please, 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 please catch this because I'm, I'm about to close. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going over time. I'm ranting. You're hearing it, but I want you to hear it. I want you to catch this. Please do not miss this. They had the law and they lost it. They had it with the voice of God. The moment that they heard from God, they had his law because the law was intended to shape them into becoming the people that God wanted them to be. God spoke to them and that's all they needed. We're in Deuteronomy chapter five. God spoke to them. That was all that they needed. They didn't need anything else. They had his voice, but they chose to step away. And because of that now, all those laws that we saw were written. All those laws that we read through Exodus, all those laws that we read through Leviticus, all those laws that we read through Numbers, all those laws that we read was because they chose not to hear his voice. Did you hear that? Meaning, if they simply had his voice, they had the law. <laughs> and know what the purpose of the law was. That they may observe them in the land which I'm giving them to possess. Notice it's not for you. It was for them to shape them into living out into being who God intended them to be. They were going to live by a certain rule that no one in the world would have ever seen. The land that was being given to them was God literally carving out Eden. 
and setting them aside to live in a way that the world would see that this is how God rules the earth. And he said to them, here's the law. And if you obey this law, then you will represent what I intended this portion of land to be for. I know I'm, 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 I hope I, I brought it down. I hope I brought it down as simple as I can because God's intention was never to give a bunch of rules. Notice every time he gave rules, he gave them through Moses. Why? The scriptures tell us right here because they chose not to hear from God. Because they chose not to hear from God. The reason why we fall into false prophets is because we choose not to hear from God. The reason why we've been hurt by our church by false doctrines is because we choose not to hear from God. The reason why we're falling short in our in our relationship with God is because we're choosing not to hear from God. The reason why a lot of us remember, I've been telling you this. I know you've been hurt by whatever church you used to go to and they lied to you. Yes, they lied to you. But guess what? You had the truth in your hand. You had the truth in your hand. You just never chose to read it. You had the truth. You had the truth accessible to you, but you did not choose to encounter it. You chose to simply hear from a man or from a woman. You chose not to hear from God. And in the end, it led you to hurt and pain. And this is why we're here. We're here because we chose not to hear from God. You know, we, you know, we want, we want rules. Tell us what we need to do. Pastor, tell us what we need to do. Man of God, tell us what we need to do. Prophet, tell us what we do. And so because of that, we make now having access to God is having access to a person. And God is saying he's given us access. If we hear his voice, we have the law. This is why. Do you guys under? I, let me say this so that my boys can hear this. The laws in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy would have never existed if the children of Israel chose to hear God's voice. It's right in front of you. Those laws would not have existed if they chose to simply hear God's voice. But because they willingly chose not to, those laws existed so that they could live the way God intended them to live. But then the scriptures say now that there's a new law that's written. It's not a law that's written on stone, but it's a law that is written on flesh. God is saying that the way you live your life is not based on how you follow the Bible's rules. The way you live your life is in how close you are in relationship to God. And in connecting to God, he gives you a new heart. Didn't Paul say that you are the written epistle? Didn't Paul say that? Didn't Paul say that we, you have to understand the law exists because of sin. The law exists because they chose not to hear from them. The law did not exist to give them freedom from sin. Guys, I'm just telling you verses. These are verses in the Bible. Okay. Did you know that in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that the strength of sin is the law. The strength of sin is the law. 
The law does not set you free. The law binds you. The law does not set you free. The law reveals the holiness of God and how desperately you are in need of a savior. The law is revealing how you have a tendency to try to live life on your own in your terms. The law is there to explain to you why it is that you're experiencing so much pain in your life and so much strife in your life. But the law was never, ever effective in bringing you to heaven and to following the law was never effective in doing so. The law was only effective in revealing your dependence on Christ. And I hope you guys are beginning to see this, that these people never saw the law as a set of rules to follow, to be given to go to heaven, but rather a set of rules to follow because they chose not to hear from God and needed to know how God wanted them to rule the earth. I hope I'm giving you perspective here because now that you're reading this this way, you're beginning to realize that this text wasn't to you. It wasn't even about you. It was actually all about Christ initiating a work that he's doing to give people access to God, the same voice that they could not hear you can. If you serve this law, you've got something less than, because today we have something better. The book of Hebrews speaks about it. We have something better. We have a better law. We have a better savior. We have a better priest. We, we have a better thing than trying to follow these rules. But when we read these, we begin to see the story of what God is accomplishing. God is convicting us today. If you ask me as I'm reading this, God is convicting me today. Am I still chasing a word from a man of God and a woman of God? When God can speak directly to me. Am I still chasing revelation from a man of God and a woman of God when God has given me direct access to him? Am I still being overly consumed with shame and guilt? And so that's why I need somebody who's better than me and closer to God to help me see something that I cannot see. And God is saying, come boldly before the throne of grace. The question is, is am I making this about me? Am I, am I doing what the children of Israel did? Am I, am I willingly choosing not to hear from God? Because I'm afraid to cultivate the presence of God in my life. Am I willing to choose Am I, am I willingly choosing to avoid the voice of God and waiting for a prophet or a man of God to speak to me? These are questions you need to ask yourself. Am I, am I willingly choosing? I know my role as, as, a, as a pastor. I know my role. I know my role as a leader. I know my role, and I know I'm here to to teach and I hope I'm, I'm teaching you some things and I hope I'm, I'm bringing some insight, but I also, but, 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 but I'm, but I'm not your only access to God. My job is to draw you to him. I'm here to hand you off to him. This is not, this is not about me. 
<laughs> this is not about me. This is about you being able to hear from God and God willingly gives you access. He says, come boldly before the throne of grace. If you are consumed with shame or guilt, or maybe you fear the presence of God, maybe somebody had told you that you're the, that they were the only way that you could talk to God. Maybe somebody had told you that, um, you know, you can't hear from God unless you hear from me. Or maybe they said that you sinned and, and you've done all these things. And because of all these things, you can't access God. And maybe you, you, you're not even convinced of salvation because you're just such a bad person. You even told those things. What if I told you that God has given you access willingly? As we've been reading through Deuteronomy up to this point, that he's given us access to him through blood, not through performance. He gave us a priest who would give us access to him through his blood and through a sacrifice on the cross. We, you, can hear from God. You can hear from God yourself. And God does not speak. I like that you asked that question. Maybe we can do a little teaching on that. How do you hear from God? But God does not speak out of fires all the time. He speaks with a still small voice. But ready for this? The way you can know, the more you can discern how God is speaking and when God is speaking and what God is saying is when you devote more time in prayer. Like actually spending time in prayer. Remember, you don't pray to go to heaven, but you pray to hear from God. So I'll leave you this with this one last thought, and then we're going to close. Think of prayer. See, see, nowadays it's going to be real hard for, you know, you know, millennials will get this, but our, our, uh, our, our Gen Zers may not get this because now we, they don't live in the same world. Everybody remembers when you were, you know, radios, right? When you had a radio and if it's in the car or... Um, you had a radio, you know, in your, um, in, in your room or wherever it was, God is speaking right now. God never stops speaking. Do you understand that? God never stops speaking and God never stops speaking to you. Let me ask you a question. Just because your radio is off doesn't mean that the radio is still not transmitting. There's always transmission. The question is, the radio on and is it on the right frequency? Some of us, we hear God with a still small voice. The scriptures tell us he speaks in many ways. And yet it's not often through the really profound, big things that we see. Remember the prophet who the scripture said that he didn't, he wasn't speaking through the lightning. He wasn't speaking through the earthquake, but he was speaking with a still small voice. And for some of us, we're trying to figure out how then do I hear God clearly? Because I think I hear him, but it's not clear. You know what prayer does? Prayer kind of twists that knob a little bit. You know, when you when you were really good with the radio, you were good. Even if like, like I had a radio where you couldn't even see the dials, but you kind of knew the area where the station you wanted to be was. And so you'd move the dial in there. And then, and then as you kind of, you just continue to finagle it and you continue to play with it. And then sometimes it takes a minute, but when you get it, it comes out so clear. You're like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly where to go. Oh, wow. I feel convicted of this thing. Wow. All of a sudden I've, I've, 
I'm realizing I shouldn't be doing this thing. Oh, wow. I, all of a sudden, I'm realizing I should be, I need to step into this. And I need to, and, and this is what it is. You're just turning the knob. And when you hear from him, clearly understand this, that God deposits it through our spirit. The scriptures tell us that his spirit testifies to our spirit. Nowadays, we just click, 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 and we put the dial in and we're there. If anybody knows, this is, this is, you got to play with it. You got to play with it. And so prayer is also not this. Uh, I'm going to pray real hard. Uh, I'm going to pray real hard because I guess I have asked this guy, this pastor was teaching today, and I just read it. I just read it at Deuteronomy, like, I don't want to be that person who just chose to not be in God's presence. So I'm going to, uh, no, it's not that. It's actually enjoying the presence of God. You know, when you enjoy God and stop seeking his information, the information just comes. <laughs> I hope I'm teaching you some things. All of a sudden you go, I don't know why, but I feel, why is this person on my mind? All of a sudden, have you ever prayed? And then as you're praying, all of a sudden somebody comes to your mind and then you start praying for them about a particular thing and you're wondering, oh, why am I praying for them about their marriage? Well, I guess I, let me pray about their marriage because we're tuning in. And then all of a sudden you, you're praying and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I need to call, I need to call my, my sister. I haven't spoken to my sister in the last three weeks and I don't know why, but I feel like I need to call her. Let me go call her. That's uh, you're tuning, you're tuning in, or maybe you're like, I, I'll tell you something. It was when I was in prayer that I went. I got up, I looked, I went. I need to quit my job. I need to find another job. And somebody and people come to me. They go, Well, how did you know you needed to quit your job? I said, Because God told me. God, God told me I needed to quit my job. And they said. Okay, so like, how did God speak to you? Like, was it like, how did it sound? I said, it doesn't need to sound like anything. I was in prayer and boom, the conviction came. I need to quit my job. God spoke to me then. You're dialing because God is always speaking. Always know that. And if you don't hear from God, and if you're not hearing from God, you're not hearing from God simply because your dial is off. So how do you get it back on? You pray. Another side note. I'm ranting. I'm sorry. I went way over time, guys. I'm like another hour over. My kids are probably like, Dad, please stop talking. Um, but I hope they under they hear this as well. But um, when the scriptures say pray without ceasing, I think people think it means pray, like pray as often as you can. That's not what the scriptures say, actually. The scriptures say pray without ceasing. Okay? That means you need to be so about prayer that you're always praying, actually. Paul speaks about his spirit praying. And often we think that prayer is just simply going into a closet, sit in the closet, and I'm going to pray. I Listen, I love my prayer closet time. I will spend hours in the prayer closet in prayer. Okay, My wife knows I could lose an entire day in the prayer closet in prayer. And man, that's such a refreshing time. But when I leave the present prayer closet, I didn't stop praying. I'm actually praying now. I've been praying throughout this entire time that we spent here. I've been praying even as I'm speaking. 
How about if I told you that often, even when I preach and when I speak, sometimes I get surprised at some of the things that come out of my mouth. I get surprised because I'm praying. And as I'm praying, guess what? God is speaking through me. God is speaking through me as I pray. Sometimes I go back, I say, you know, I need to catch that reading rant. That was a blessing. That was information I didn't know about. And that was really, really, really helpful to me. Why? Because I'm hearing from God as you're hearing from God. You say, how did you do that? I did that by simply praying without ceasing. I'm always addressing God. God is always with me. I know he's always there. I'm always conscious of his presence. Side note, I'm sorry, I'm ranting now, but this will help you because some people are still struggling with their prayer lives and trying to figure out how to pray. Guys, prayer is, is literally acknowledging the presence of God. You don't need to speak to pray. Prayer is acknowledging the presence of God in that moment. And the more you acknowledge the presence of God, you're dialing in. And then the spirit testifies to our spirit. The spirit then begins to speak to our spirit because we're dialing in. <laughs> Just because someone is in the car with you doesn't mean you acknowledge their presence. You ever been in the dark and then you sat there? I remember one time I was in the dark and the lights were turned off. The lights were turned off. And I'm in the dark. And then when I flicked the lights on, I noticed there was some random guy in the corner. And I'm like, bruh, like, what are you doing here? You know? And I realized he was like, bro, I was here before you. You're the one who came into the room. I was just here just taking a nap on the couch. I said, well, bro, like, come on, bro. Like, at least let me know you're here. I'm sitting there walking around not realizing that you're there because guess what? Just because someone is present in the room with you doesn't mean you know they are. It doesn't mean that they're present in your mind and in your spirit. What am I saying? I'm saying to you that prayer is literally God sitting next to you and you acknowledging that he's sitting next to you. I promise you, simple things like that will let God begin to speak. Oh, I know God is with me because the scriptures say that he never leaves me, nor does he forsake me. So I know God is with me. So what I need to do is just acknowledge his presence. Prayer is simply the acknowledging of the presence of God. That's how you pray without ceasing. <laughs> prayer is actually practicing the presence of God. I can teach this another day. But I'm just giving you practical stuff to help you understand how you live this life. God has given you access. God is with you. He is with you. So what do you do? You pray. Have you ever had a time when you were like, why am I talking to myself right now? I'm helping somebody today. I'm helping somebody. This is so random. I didn't plan this, but I'm helping somebody here today. There's somebody who's going, why did all of a sudden I just started talking to myself in the car? Like just talking to myself. Why would I just start talking to myself? Am I crazy? So let me ask you a question. If you're talking to yourself, I'm going to help somebody today. I'm helping somebody today. If you're talking to yourself, let me ask you a question. Are you crazy? Or do you have faith? Because if you're talking to yourself, you should get admitted to a hospital. But if you're talking as it would seem to yourself, is it possible that your spirit is acknowledging his spirit? And in that moment, your spirit is being testified to and you're pouring back in, responding to what your spirit is being testified to. Next time you catch yourself talking to yourself, how about you acknowledge that your spirit is actually addressing God? That's what prayer is. Prayer is literally acknowledging the presence of God. So now when I'm in the car, 
I can have conversation with God and people will think I'm talking to myself and I'm like, God, seriously, they're like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I talk to him like he's my dad. If people say that you're crazy, listen, you're not. Here's what's gonna really grow you, uh, Battle Kitten, all right? Here's what's gonna really grow you is when you actually acknowledge that it's God that you're speaking to. You're gonna begin to hear more things. You're going to begin to see more things. You're going to be able to perceive more things. You're going to say, wow, where's all this coming from? God has given you access to himself by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now that you have access to him, you can hear from him directly. I've wrestled with God in a car. And there have been times where I've gone to meetings and I'm like, I'm going to end this deal today. You know, I got all kinds of other things that I do, other business endeavors that I engage in. And I walk into the car and I say, all right, God, I'm done with this guy. I'm done with this dude. I'm tired of this this relationship. I'm ending this deal. And I'm literally on the way and I, st- I stop there. I go, what? What do you mean I got to stay stay in this deal? No, I'm not staying in this deal. Nope. I'm I'm ending this deal. And then he'll reveal more and more and more. And then I go, Oh, okay, I'm staying in this deal. And now I know why I'm staying in this deal. You go, man, how do you move with so much wisdom and insight and clarity? I'm not that smart, okay? Um, you know, people say, well, you sound like a really smart guy. You're really intelligent. This is that. Some of the stuff that I've accomplished in my life, I'm not that smart and I'm not that good. I'm just not. I'm not that. Trust me, okay? My wife will probably tell you that. She'll probably tell you, listen, he's really not. Like, I don't know how he does what he does, how he accomplishes what he accomplishes. I'm not that smart. I, I've credited all of my success in life and in ministry and in whatever I do to simply spending a lot of time in prayer. I've made some decisions, and in the end, I look like a genius. People are like, man, I said that was such a brilliant idea. How did you come up with that? And I say, flesh and blood did not reveal that to me. And they think I'm crazy because I, I deal with a lot of, you know, I, I work in the secular world. I work in the music business. I work in a lot of other uh, entertainment business. I work in a lot of things. And I step in a lot of arenas. And I'm like, man, that's a great idea. How did you come up with that? And I'm like, man, I wish I could take the credit for that because that's so smart. And it's so brilliant. People are going to think I'm a genius. <laughs> not realizing that it's God. His spirit testifies to my spirit. Don't be like the children of Israel. Don't be like them. Stop seeking someone. And it's not to say the prophet doesn't have his role in the body of Christ, but stop seeking someone to tell you the word of God. You have access to it. You have access to a family. I love you guys. See you tomorrow. You're going to see things shift here because we're going to go into Deuteronomy chapter uh, six tomorrow. And I'm really excited about that. So stick with us because we are going, we're, we're, we're going to continue to go in. Love you guys. God bless you. Father, we thank you that you have, Lord, engaged with us today, Lord. Lord, we just trust you. Lord, as I come before you and I spend this time, Lord, I'm beginning to understand more and more why you ask me to come completely unprepared. Um, I was really uncomfortable with doing that because at times, you know, I can feel insignificant, um, incapable, unqualified, Lord, to, to teach your word, 
and to share what your word is saying. And yet, Lord, you. But you're continuing to convict me to trust you and to rely on you as I spend the time and share this time in my reading with you, Lord. So, Father, thank you for giving us the revelation that we need for today and not just the information um, that I have been given. That, Lord, you're giving us what we need for this moment. And so, Lord, I come every day surprised, absolutely surprised by what you reveal. And I just pray, Lord, that we would continue to grow in that grace. So bless us, Lord, as we continue to engage, Lord, be with us throughout the remainder of uh, this week, uh, throughout this, this day. And as we come back again, that we will be refreshed by your word. And I ask that in your name we pray. Amen.